listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and organising the previous six editions of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they, Mitch? <laughs> we, we, the, the listener needs to know that we actually record six times before we actually do the proper recording of the podcast, and that's the one we release. We distill it down. We're like whiskey. I do everything six times before I actually do it. I mm. brush my teeth six times before I really brush my teeth in the morning. It's it, it, Everyone does. That's why you had that nickname, Old Bloody Gums McLean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it still seems like most of the time we don't know what we're doing. I mean, I had the Old Bloody Gums McLean nickname because the first six <laughs> times that I brush my teeth every morning, I didn't fucking brush them at all, did I? <laughs> <laughs> Even the seventh attempt was a fucking piss weak piece of shit. Just like this goddamn government. What are we talking about? What are we bloody talking about? This this is just my favourite little cute story of the week before we get into the heavy stuff because it is just the government being just the, the worst little group member of the project. Basically, so late last year, after the sort of Royal Commission was blasting the government for not having any kind of plan to manage the sort of uh, serious, you know, health disasters in the aged care sector. After hundreds of people died. Just, and they were like, you should have had a plan. And the government released their aged care plan. It was called the Updated National COVID-19 Aged Care Plan, parentheses, 7th edition. <laughs> and The Guardian did uh, some freedom of information uh, digging to find out what was in editions 1 through 6 and found out <laughs> there are no editions 1 through 6. The government just called it 7th edition so that it would seem like they were doing something. My friend said that it was like her submitting like her PhD, like her submission like draft and she's like yeah I've been working on it this whole time and I didn't just write 3,000 <laughs> words of a proposal last night <laughs> I was just about to say I have <laughs> when I was doing my thesis I have a number of times sent off drafts to my supervisor but I've written draft four when it is definitely <laughs> the first <laughs> like I've also done that sort of thing and just been like eh, no I'm working on it it's totally a thing <laughs> But you're not in charge of the nation's grands. <laughs> Fuck. You can download the seventh edition of the aged care plan uh-huh. and you can see that it's written in font size 24 with <laughs> double spacing. <laughs> <laughs> the Webster's Dictionary defines aged care. As <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all of this is to say that we're all behind the federal government on this. It's a huge energy. And this is the best I thing they've ever them. done. Yeah, this, this rules. This is like them doing a seventh draft that never existed before. Is great. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm all for it. This is the most relatable thing they've ever done. It's just <laughs> it's just freaking out and just lying about. So it's because uh, 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 they they did come out with some sort of bullshit about. Well, over the last you know eighteen months, we've submitted a number of different proposals that have made up a different type of strata, of, and they're like, it's technically. It's technically a seventh edition. It's, like, it's absolutely not in any way, shape, or form. It's so fucking good. I remember from a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about um, aged care minister Richard Colbeck, and he had some insane line like, "The government's position is that we have a plan," and they're like, "What's the plan? Uh-huh. <laughs> Our position is that we have a plan." <laughs> yes. Our position is that you should have a plan. We need to know what it is. You calling me a liar? Yes, Richard (laughs) (laughs) Put it on the hands. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's the levels of gronkery from the Liberal Party are astounding. Because it just it seems like a like an inner city dad move, maybe. Like it just seems like that type of thing of just like, oh, I'll just get away with this. I'll just put a little seventh edition. Huh, <laughs> yeah. That's done. And just absolutely not thinking about like journalists exist. We, people, you're the government. People are going to ask where are the first few editions, and they're just going, it's the seventh one. This is the thing, what? though. Journalists exist. But then you have people like Catherine Murphy from The Guardian being like, uh-huh. oh, Scott Morrison's on, like, 5D chess. Who can yeah, say what yeah. he's thinking of next? And it's like the 5G dude is just chess. saying whatever he feels like. 
There's no grand plan. Annabelle Crab releasing a story being like, genius move, labelling it the seventh edition to throw people off the fact that they let old people die horribly. <laughs> well done. The Labour Party needed to be on their toes. Yeah. Not to be too jokerified during the like funny little opening bit of the episode, but like they're not going to face consequences for this at all. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> they're like, yeah, it's the seventh edition. We didn't release one through six and we got caught. What the fuck are you going to do yeah. about it? Make a podcast? <laughs> yeah, getting, getting roasted on a podcast is the worst thing that can happen to them. I reckon they're okay with that. <laughs> More about that later. <laughs> <laughs> you might have heard last week, since you listen to the podcast every week, Scott Morrison is off on assignment to the G7. So Michael McCormack is guest hosting Australia and that means we get to have a wacky episode of the country because every time this happens and I think I think Scott Morrison was was away in like January uh when friggin rioters invaded the US Capitol and Michael McCormack's like yes here we go it's posting time and he said within a very short period of time he said that uh, that the invasion of the US Capitol was just like Black Lives Matter and lefty protests. The next day when pressed on that, he said all lives matter. Uh, <laughs> a couple of days later, he was like, George Christensen, sure, he's an insane conspiracy theorist who thinks Trump should have won. Science isn't real and hydroxychloroquine is a thing, but, you know... He's a good bloke and freedom of speech is what we fought two world wars about. He actually said that. <laughs> that was last time. This time, <laughs> this time, Michael McCormack, has, he's been working on some of these. He said, coal pays for a lot of barista machines that produce the coffee in a city type, sit around and drink while they talk about the death of coal. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Checkmate greenies. My cold fire coffee machine. Yeah. He has such a bee in his bonnet about the liberals drinking coffee. Left to oh, yeah, the, the inner city liberals drinking their coffee all the time. <laughs> it's one of those things that was just like a little uh, dog whistle for all oh, these inner city lefty types. Like maybe about ten years ago, and even then, it was like, "Bait, right. coffee. People have coffee in the country. Like soy yeah. milk is in the country <laughs> now. It's fine." Get another dog whistle. People were tweeting about how his like electoral office is like within walking distance of eleven cafes. Yeah. <laughs> It's like people who use avocado toast. It just doesn't – like anyone who uses avocado yeah. toast now can be safely ignored. Yeah. And I – well, I think the – it's dog whistling, but it's not for racists. It's for people who have no discernment for a funny joke or an actual political insight. Yeah. It's it's boomer whistling or something. <laughs> he followed this up by saying, the Greens want to destroy the social fabric of society. And not leaving it that, he called Adam Bant a traitor. He said that Adam Bant, he said, treasonous, I would call that absolute traitor. This is referring to some trade deals where Adam Bant was like, what if we don't export fossil fuels to the whole world? Um, and immediately, <laughs> That's treason. <laughs> Off with his head. Immediately he was made to withdraw that because uh, words have meetings. Like, <laughs> you can't just call a, a, a member of parliament a traitor to the country. <laughs> just accusing him of, like, an actual crime. Right? That, like, doesn't apply. <laughs> that's treason. And he's like, also, we should, like, plant more forests. He's like, that's theft. <laughs> I guess? It's like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm pretty sure high treason... Maybe doesn't have the death penalty in Australia, but it's probably life in prison or something. So you don't just want to throw that out here. Oh, my God. I just saw the line. Okay, so for some context for our overseas listeners, I love saying that. Uh, I just really love the idea that someone in America is listening to this podcast for some reason. Anyway. We um, have listeners overseas. They're real. <laughs> Are they, though? The Either that yeah. or we just have Aussies <laughs> downloading the podcast through a VPN. But, you know, maybe. <laughs> For our overseas li listeners, um, there is currently a variety of plagues happening in country New South Wales and Victoria at the moment, the biggest mm -hmm. of which is a really fucked mouse plague. Um, there's been lots of pictures online about, like, carp eating lots of live mice because there's just so many of them. So um, Michael McCormack, in response to this mouse plague, uh, in response to Sarah, various statements about, like, you know, how the mouse plague is because of humans and what have you, he said they should be rehomed into their inner city apartment so they can nibble away at their food and their feet at night and scratch their children at night. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think Peter was saying, oh, the mice should be humanely, you know, killed or rehomed or whatever. And Peter obviously don't know what they're talking about, but, but yeah, I can say. <laughs> I was like, what the? Who's Peter? <laughs> Pe- sorry, Peter, the P-E-T-A. The, the, the group. The P-E-T-A, <laughs> yeah. the group, yeah. Not that Peter bloke Peter. bringing in a fifth host to the... <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, Evie, I cut you off. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so funny to me that, like, he's like, well, country people don't deserve these mice and therefore you should be moved to inner city apartments. That's your solution, buddy. Great. Well done. Then you'll get bloody mice in your lattes. And which are made with coal and, yeah, <laughs> traitors. I, I do have to say that seeing Michael McCormack just sort of, like, uselessly fantasise about bad things happening to his political <laughs> enemies is probably, like, the, uh, <laughs> I have something in common with this man, finally. Like, I, I can comprehend <laughs> him as a person. <laughs> I was going to say, though, that, like, it, all joking aside, because it is just, it, it sounds deranged, but a lot of fascist <laughs> shit sounds deranged until it is in there. Now, I don't think we've got a, a risk of Michael McCormack using the Australian military to overthrow the government. And no, you've definitely killed that monkey paw now. Sorry. Uh, hell yeah, it's a big <laughs> fist. Fists up, Michael McCormack. Let's Australia. go. Um, but, like, but, but let's... Just first they shipped the mouse plague to the communists <laughs> and I said nothing. <laughs> but, like, but, but that rhetoric has a lot in common with... People who yeah. say, oh, well, those inner city lefties don't want to take immigrants into their homes either. And that's a horrible, weird, like, connection that's constantly being made. And so, obviously, like, the, the big one is let's put the problems in the inner city lefty homes. But just there is that connection that's unexamined between those sort of things as well. And he also called a political opponent treasonous. Mm. And, yeah, he had to immediately walk those back. But he should be kicked out of government for mm. that. Mm. I, that's pretty fucking extreme. And we've had George Christensen before, who he defended, holding a pistol saying, oh, you feeling lucky greenies or lefties or whatever the fuck yeah. it was. And this shit creeps. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to goodwin this this quickly, but Hitler Good was a it. fucking laughing stock <laughs> until he wasn't. Like, you need to mock this shit. I mean, people were saying the same thing about Trump too. Yeah, yeah. People yeah, saying the same the thing same. about exactly. Trump right beforehand. They were like, there's no way it could happen. But like, this is all to say that Michael McCormack is definitely going to be our next prime minister. <laughs> but he will be voted in and will instantly be a fucking wet letter that's, slap when he gets in He's our fucking current Prime Minister. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, he, he'll be our next Prime Minister for sure. Even though there's like there's a leadership challenge possibly going to happen in the Nationals, but you know Nat it's just Bill. one one Michael McCormack replaced with another. So that's yeah. the uh, not to sort of stay on this topic for too long, but that was the little bit of coverage that I saw that really broke my brain. Was like Barnaby Joyce is. Like slated to 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 take a tilt at at Michael McCormack for leadership of the National Party on Monday, that if successful, will put an end to the government's net zero emissions by twenty fifty <laughs> target. Which is like, if Barnaby Joyce topples Michael McCormack for leadership of the National Party, that is somehow worse for Australia's climate action. Like Michael McCormack. Who is a straight up and down climate denier is not the worst, like, most climate unfriendly leader of the Nationals Party. It's wild to me that he's not even the worst candidate. I think they both deny climate 100%. It's just that Barnaby Joyce is if possible, more of a loose unit. Um, Also, he's still in government, whatever. And so, anyway, that's the wacky B plot. The A plot is <laughs> the the A plot is, is is Scott Morrison is overseas at the G seven. He's not part of the G seven. Uh, no. The G seven is a bunch of countries that that actually like are real countries that people care about. It's like it's the world powers except for China and Russia, right? That's the G seven. Yeah, something like that. It's all the Western ones. Um, Scott Morrison is there as like like uh, a sidekick. He's like and Robin. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's there as an observer, uh, and yeah. it's pretty fun that he, when he's been tweeting about it, he's been calling it the G7 Plus. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. Oh, it's the saddest loser move. It's so good. <laughs> me and my, me and my fellow countries having a good time. They're just outside of frame. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, <laughs> 
the 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 G seven plus is a term that originated because some of the EU observers are also invited, and so it's like <laughs> he's not even included in the plus. <laughs> he keeps putting like photos up, and and people are like, oh, you know, Scott Morrison's taking a little break to look at you know some some sites and and meet some locals. It's like he's not taking a break. He's not part of it. He's over there for bloody photos and meeting locals. Like, he's there to he's- network, okay? Just let a girl boss shine. Fuck. Yeah, he's, he's sneaking into after parties with, like, like fake lanyards or he's trying to get into events yes. with a high-vis jacket on. It's just like, I should be here. It's like he's just, like, a spectator at a footy game and it's the halftime thing and he's Instagramming, like, wiping sweat off his brow being like, oh, it's a big game. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're eating a hot dog. <laughs> Biden keeps absentmindedly handing Scott Morrison his empty champagne glasses. <laughs> and it, it's it's so embarrassing for us because every other country there has a stance. And Scott Morrison, the best he can do, the best he's been saying is, oh, he's met up with Japan and Germany to promise to work on low carbon technologies, which, of course, isn't renewables. It's it's methane or carbon capture or other stuff that doesn't fucking work. And he's calling home from this G7 focused on climate. He's calling into the gas industry to say, don't worry, boo, I got ya. Yeah, he's lying, he's lying on the bed, face down, feet in the air, kicking back and forth. Hey, what are you up to? <laughs> Miss you. Yeah, from a big bubble bath. Wish you were here. What are you wearing? You. He says, I want you to know we are backing you in to stay on top as one of the world's <laughs> leading exporters of LNG. And he says, Australia will lead the world in these heavy industry and oil and gas sectors to ensure we can reduce emissions, be a successful <laughs> part of the new energy economy. Like, basically, he's saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Oil and gas, oil and gas, number one, Australia. I got you, babe. Oh, it's such a just like to ensure that we can yeah reduce emissions. I gotta say that in every text. It's got a big winky face. Yeah, <laughs> but you can tell none of them believe it because you're constantly coming across things like I think it was Keith Pitt who was like, "We're doing like a gas, but with very efficient prices," and it's like, what? <laughs> um, and and here's the thing. So Scott Morrison is basically <laughs> forced. Prices, fucking hell. He's forced to say we're going to get to net zero by 2050 because that's what the cool kids are saying. And he's had press conferences where, like Boris Johnson said, Scott Morrison's going to get there by 2050. And he looks very awkward about it. But then he comes home and the nationals are like, um, excuse me? (laughs) Net zero by 2050? I don't remember agreeing to that. He's like, no, come on. All the other governments were doing it. It was just spur of the moment. And they're like, well... Uh, and Keith Pitt, <laughs> who is the, the Minister for Resources, Water and yeah. Northern Australia, somehow, <laughs> remember him, says, this is this is to the, the press, um, we have not committed to net zero by 2050. Um, he says, it will absolutely cause damage in regional communities if we, you know, stop climate change. Um, <sighs> and even though, like, the International Energy Agency is like, no more oil and gas or everybody dies... Keith Pitt says, let's be real, we have a long history of utilising coal for the nation's prosperity. Yeah, we know. That's the problem. The idea, well, we have not committed to net zero by 2050. It will absolutely cause damage in regional communities like Gippsland, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Who, for the international listener, has been devastated by floods and fires just consistently getting fucked over by climate disasters. Mm. Think about that, Keith Pitt, you little bastard. When oh. Lang, when you were reading that out, I heard McLean in my head after the quote, it will absolutely cause damage in regional communities. McLean going, oh, you know what else will cause damage in regional communities, Keith Pitt, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's the obvious thing. And, and I don't need to tell you how insanely obviously dumb and short-sighted and straight up lying it is because Australia doesn't prosper from our oil and gas industry. It no. makes in up a tiny proportion of our economy, an insignificant proportion of our employment. And the vast majority of the profit is for private foreign owned companies. There was well, a, we um, don't even get tax off. There was a, there's a report in Michael West actually that is, it's still ongoing at the moment, but it looks like, um, that our, a lot of our coal and gas 
companies, the biggest ones, actually get more in subsidies than they pay in royalties. <laughs> which Wouldn't is hard. If yeah. they fucking, fucking $10 in subsidies, Shell is planning <laughs> to pay $0 in resources tax because, like, I don't know, accounting loopholes. Somehow they don't have to pay us for the for the money that they dig out of the ground because it costs them money to dig it up. It's emotional labour. We're subsidising yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, we, we pay them to take our resources. Oh, no, we've got all this bloody coal. Shell, can you take it? <laughs> and, and really the only way to make sense of it is that the nationals and like the nationals blatantly and the liberals in a in a shifty way are actively trying to make climate change happen like if you were to say all right government your job is make climate change happen as much as possible against all odds at any cost i don't know what you could do differently Literally, I don't know what you could do differently. You could have Barnaby Joyce in, apparently. <laughs> They're working on it. <laughs> yeah. Barnaby, Barnaby Joyce. And that's the thing. I've just got a couple of lines from, from the many, many statements Barnaby Joyce and Keith Pitt and everyone in the Nationals have made about how even considering net zero by 2050 is an affront to them and they're really going to have to make some deals in order to get that one passed. Like, oh yeah. luckily... <laughs> Luckily, not every part of the world is so suicidal. Um, and so it's also going to cripple our economy because the rest of the world won't let us do this, probably. Once they get their shit together, we keep getting singled out by these, like, big... What was that company? So there was BlackRock, who was like, we're no longer sponsoring fossil fuels. We recently got singled out by Robico Institutional Asset Management. As okay. a particularly high-risk profile, Australia as a country, because we're so backwards on fossil fuels, are a, a high-risk profile alone. Well, I mean, all of this sort of bodes kind of well in this terms is great. of like, maybe that means that, you know, somewhere out there, there's a cell of, you know, agents that- BlackRock or whatever have got sort of just sitting there to black bag our government and just make him disappear for a while. That'd be nice. If, if you're listening, BlackRock, that'd be nice for me. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. Like, yeah, that's good on the world stage. Absolutely. Australia should be economically and politically punished for this just blatantly dangerous behavior. But we're already being punished for that just by the environment and by the global economy. Punished by the environment. <laughs> and our government doesn't seem to give a shit about that. If, if, if our trade gets cut off and if our diplomatic relationships get cut off, they're going to keep doing it anyway. They're going to be like, well, sorry. Uh, our alien overlords told us to bloody fuck <laughs> up the climate at any cost. I'm sorry. Like, like currently Australians can't enter or leave the country. Currently we're not getting a vaccine. Currently our economy has been shafted five different ways. It doesn't matter to them because they're on the top of this fucked economy. They don't care. It's only going to be bad for everybody else. Comedy podcast. Um, <laughs> I believe in God now because of the plague. Absolutely, God doing his best. Yeah, I feel like we're being sent messages we're specifically <laughs> ignoring at this point. <laughs> yeah, we fucking are. Holy shit! Like we we got sent coronavirus. We got mouse plague. He's like, what's not clicking, guys? <laughs> sent a plague to stop the boomers, but they just kept all the vaccines. <laughs> remember, remember, like last year when it rained orange. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we get just, hints. Just, just, just balconies caked in red dust. That should have, yeah. like, come on, like, seek Jesus, everyone. A blood red sun hung heavily over two major cities, and we were like, ooh, that's a fucking Instagram pic. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Death of Jesus. the firstborn, and we're like, look, a couple of firstborn have to die for the economy. That's just how it is. <laughs> we were all there a few months ago where that voice rang out in our minds saying, I'm real and you've displeased me. Like, yeah. we, we, <laughs> how much more clear does it need to be? <laughs> look, the Lord our Saviour might have some ideas, but I am looking out for the Australian mum and dad coal miners. <laughs> not sound Australian. And I, for one, don't want God coming down here telling Australians how to live. Gosh, you guys have some real Josh Thomas Australian voices. <laughs> also, Evie, just as an aside, I love the thing you said earlier, which was um, 
that there's a lot of plagues happening in New South Wales at the moment, and the, the worst one is the mouse plague. And I'm like, ah, uh, <laughs> I think the worst one might be coronavirus, but no, 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 no. That's, the, the mice are bad too. <laughs> it, the, I think there's more mice than coronavirus at the moment. There's more mice than coronavirus <laughs> at the moment, for sure. I guess you're not wrong. Uh, and the coronavirus <laughs> has been contained pretty well, but it's just funny to be like, coronavirus isn't even plague number one right now. <laughs> I think in New South Wales it really isn't. <laughs> bloody, bloody plagues, bloody berries. Jicklin and John Barilaro and their bloody corruption, am I right? <laughs> New South Wales sitting through their fourth mouse down. I don't know what that means. Mouse down? Fucking, oh, I saw you try what? and that was such a big swing. And it just, yeah, like a lockdown, right? Like oh, a lockdown. Yeah, no, no, but mice. No. Yeah. No. Oh, well. Thank you for shooting that bit in the head for us, McLean, so we can move on. you got to have a try sometimes. In case you thought that it was just a have fun with bashing Scott Morrison and we're just like just a inner lefty podcast that loves to make fun of the LNP, well, guess what? Both party bad. The ALP, (laughs) both party bad. We are definitely a both party bad podcast. There's only two two parties and we hate both of them. (laughs) It's very important to emphasise that to our listeners. There's only two parties and the electoral system, that's the only thing you can possibly hate. Anyway, I digress. The online safety bill was in the House this week. A lot of people, including myself, have been talking about it quite a bit uh, and were trying to pressure the Labor Party into understanding what it actually means and to read the bill and to understand why it's bad. However, this particular debate has given us potentially the funniest slogan for the Labor Party possible. I, I... It will be imprinted in my memory forever. (laughs) It was Senator Nita Green who said, Labor will be supporting this bill, but we're not happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) Gets me every time. A a purer summary of the Labor Party you will not find. You didn't ask enough, Evie. You asked them to read and understand it, and they did. You didn't (laughs) ask them to fucking do something about it. Yeah, I should have asked. It sounds like a campaign was successful. Everyone in the Labour Party is now like, yeah, the online safety bill is terrible. Vote for. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's true. It it is really representative of everything that the Labour Party does. And it's also something that I consistently see as an argument that they use when they're fighting with online leftists, which is, again, very funny to me specifically. You can't have it both ways. You can't say we are the opposition, therefore Mm. we we have no power, we're not in power, therefore we can't have policies or we can't have standards. And also we're in the minority, therefore we'll just have to go along with everything the LNP says. You could still vote against it, even if it does like get through because they can get a majority through independents and other parties. You can still say no. There's a difference between opposing and unhappily supporting. And I don't think the (laughs) Labor Party has got that yet. They're not the unhappy support party. What does Labor stand for? I I think that's the thing. I think, Lang, I think... They are the unhappy... They are, because that's what all their voters are doing as well. Fucking hell. being like, oh, well, Labor's a piece of shit, obviously, but... I've got to support them. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's their platform. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we're terrible vote for us anyway. It's like the Labor Party's two attitudes aren't happy face and sad face. They're happy face and different coloured happy face. <laughs> I think their two attitudes are like sad face with a red X and sad face with a green check. <laughs> <laughs> or just a shrug oh. emoji, really. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I guess we'll do it. But... Yeah, so this is just representative of every other policy that they've just ushered through. It's representative of their border policy. It's representative of their attitudes towards uh, refugees. Every time they're like, well, we just can't do anything about it. Yes, you Mm. can. You can say no. I think Mm. the thing – I think this is me trying to sort of psychoanalyze them a little bit. I think that their position is if we voted against it, we would lose that vote. The legislation would go through anyway – and because we lost a vote, that would make us look weak. Uh-huh. And so that's why we're voting for it. And it's like, you you don't look weak for losing the vote. Yeah. You look weak for voting for it. No, I think I think it's more that they don't want to look weak 
on security. This is a big thing that you, they always get wedged on. They don't want to be wedged on immigrants. They don't want to be wedged on cybersecurity or national security or anything like that. So you will always see them try to make sure their voting record holds up to right-wing chuds when they're like, yeah, you voted against, you know, protecting Australia. And they can go, no, we didn't. We voted it through. But right now they also want to say, oh, we're not, but wow, we're, we're finger-wagging about this particular bill. So I, th- I think the- it's less about wanting to look weak that they lost a vote and more that they don't want the Liberal Party and a sympathetic media to go, Labor want you to get hacked. Absolutely. Because they, fuck- no, they will it, do it absolutely is that. They, they love mm. not being too cowardly to be, like, you know, understand that if they disagree, they can hold the line. They mm. just don't want to be yeah. seen as soft. And look, yeah. the... There are other parties who have been guilty of this too. The Greens have also been guilty of this as well, obviously not to the same extent as Labor, but the Labor Party do have an ongoing trend of, well, we can't let any News and Limited papers write anything bad about us. We can't let any uh, LNP um, ministers say anything bad about us, so we have to go as right-wing as possible. But and they're going to anyway! Say, please like us. <laughs> exactly, yes. yes. They're, they're going to do it. This is the thing. In Australia, there is so much of a culture war going on all the time. The best way to negotiate it with it is to say, well, they're going to do something about me anyway. I may as well do the thing that I want to do. You may as well have values. You may as well have values. Rather than just dying for nothing. The thing about the Labour Party is, though, they don't have values. (laughs) They're a party of nothing. The entire Labour Party platform is vote for Labour. (laughs) <laughs> vote for Labour! Yeah. And, and just what like, vote! You can even see it in the things that they focus on. Like, okay, so Penny Wong, she was talking about Scott Morrison's inability to secure a one-on-one meeting with Biden and suggested the Prime Minister's stubborn refusal to unequivocally commit to net zero by 2050 was leaving Australia isolated. He doesn't need to speak to Biden about it. Shut the fuck up, Penny Wong. He can <laughs> yeah. just do it. He can Let's just look- do it. He doesn't have to speak to anyone. Yeah, well, it was just this week. The the ALP voted with the government to open up the Beedaloo Basin for gas exploration. Like, this massive gas basin. I don't need to tell you why that's bad. It's It's... If Australia tried hard enough, they could climate change the fucking planet themselves with the amount of gas we have <laughs> lying around here. And they're trying. Um, and so you've got Labor... Shadow Resources Minister Madeline King, who's meant to be on this Labor Party, who's meant to be pressuring Scott Morrison. She's in there with Penny Wong saying, oh, he's got to get to net zero. I'm just going to read some quotes, which I love doing. (laughs) She says, on one side of this often counterproductive debate are the activists who naively seek to shut down or rapidly phase out many of our extractive industries and demonise all fossil fuels. At the other extreme are the climate change deniers who've ensured that Australia has become an international outlier in the global drive to reduce carbon emissions. <laughs> Both of these positions pose a risk to the health of our resources sector and to the critical need to address climate change and therefore our economic prosperity in coming decades. Like... Uh, what? She's both sides in climate change. She said on one side are activists who want to get rid of fossil Mm. fuels and on Mm -hmm. the other side are climate change deniers. And uh, we're opening up a gas basin, so I wonder which side we're on. Who can say? That that, that fucking line that King has there of um, the the critical need to address climate change and therefore our economic prosperity, (laughs) that that fucking drives me crazy. That's not... Why we should address climate change is for economic prosperity. That's the line that I always see trotted out. It's like, I, I want to be alive more than I want to be rich. And I don't think that's a, a weird position to hold. But it seems to be the position that every government MP talking about, or a- every MP talking about climate change hits. It's weird if you are currently rich. They would mm-hmm. rather die than not be rich. <laughs> But it's, 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 become, be, yeah. it's become <laughs> taboo. It's become taboo to say we care about the environment. It's become taboo to say we need to stop climate change so we've got food and water and animals and friggin' air and shit. Yeah. Um, if you say that, you're a, oh, you're a bloody tree hugger who wants their children to eat food. <laughs> Even the Greens do this. 
Yeah. This is like w- w- when the 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 um you know the coal plant shut down because of the the floods um the, the last week. Uh, Ellen Sandel from the Greens was talking about like this is why we need renewables. We need that stability of electricity. And it's like, no, we need renewables so that we don't die. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's going to die if we don't do it. Inconsistent power supply is not the problem. Economic prosperity is not the problem. It's life and death. In Alan Sandel's defence, I think any opportunity to attack fossil fuels and prop up renewables is a good one. And she probably does push the other stuff there too. Oh, yeah, I don't think she's wrong, but I, I... just the, the fact that that's always the go-to is like, let's mm. not talk about the existential crisis that's facing us and instead talk about just these weird side issues mm. like the economy and the stability of the power grid. Like, what? what it, <laughs> society's going to end. <laughs> Has the world gone mad? Yeah. It, yeah. Like, if imagine we did this with other stuff where we were like, in fact, I think we fucking do. If we were like, oh, oh we need to stop children bloody getting measles because that's bad for the economy ah we really need to i'm struggling to think of something they don't say for the economy now Uh just like start doing some fucking you know like fantasy shit uh we should get rid of the gaps in the westgate bridge because all the cars keep dropping off the bridge and hitting our shipping routes yeah. <laughs> and also, everyone dies when they fall off the bridge. Like, whatever. You've got obvious problems with obvious outcomes, and the outcomes are life and death, and people are like, oh, but what else should we talk about to make this a convincing proposition? Well, one quick example I want to give is basically in the last couple of weeks, um, the Labor Party has had, like, a really big campaign on uh, social media saying they want to take Medicare away. Now, this has been a successful thing for them in the past because in the past there definitely has been real risk to Medicare. There will always be a real risk to Medicare. However, the specific yeah, thing... Yeah, we've got Greg Hunt specifically saying, I want an American system. Yeah, so like, there is there's a There's obvious risk to Medicare. Yeah. Uh, But in this specific circumstance, um, the thing that they wanted to have a scare campaign about was an ongoing review of Medicare numbers, which has been conducted by independent professionals in association with the government to just get rid of, like, some uh, Medicare numbers or procedures that are sort of obsolete and don't necessarily need to be on the bulk billing program. It's something that's actually been needed for quite a long time and has been asked for. So it's actually really good that it's being done. It's like, this is the one good thing that the coalition <laughs> is doing for Medicare. And, and <laughs> I'm, course, I'm still kind of not trusting that it's good. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I know they've done it too quickly and no, in but a that's way the thing. that the, it's got problems. But the, so the, 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 only, the only criticism that the Australian Medical Association has had is that private health insurers are not able to update their systems quickly enough so that some people may fall through the cracks in terms of what can be covered and what can't be. And to that I say, it it sounds like a you problem. It's not a government problem. I I can't believe I'm defending the coalition on this, but it's actually a (laughs) really good example of how the ALP will totally make up a problem using past goodwill to distract from the fact that they don't actually do anything about the real problems that exist. Like, they have definitely got a lot of goodwill of the fact that it was the ALP that invented Medicare, they defend Medicare, except when it's convenient to them, um, but they it is a good cudgel for them to use to say, oh, they want to take it away when it's not a real problem that is existing right now. It just really, I just I hate it yeah. whenever they use that kind of sloganeering. It's that thing of, of the Liberal Party does want to take away Medicare, mm. and so the Labor Party has so many like, uh, you know, uh, the, the angles that they could hit that from, and they choose the one that's not real. Like, just pick any of the real angles that, that the government <laughs> is slipping on healthcare from to hit instead of doing a big campaign that's based on nothing. <laughs> Why? I'm, I will say it is because they don't want to change anything or set any precedents that will actually result in them having to do things that help the Australian people if they win power. 
Yeah. They, yeah. Ne- it needs to be imaginary shit. Like, if you want to be the Medicare guys, just be like, we're going to expand Medicare. Bulk <laughs> billing will be available everywhere. It's going to have dental. It's going to have mental health. It's going to, you know, cover all that extra yeah. shit. That, that, that there's, obvious, there's obvious gaps in Medicare. Labor would win in every single seat if they said, we're just going to undo everything that John Howard did. The end. That's your <laughs> yeah. campaign. Done. But holy shit, why don't they make up stories that are good? Instead of making up things about the Liberal Party doing it to to Medicare, make up shit that the Labor Party will do to Medicare. Like, I've said this before on my fucking knees in the rain. Just lie to me. Just say that every single (laughs) medical procedure will be free forever on Medicare. Please, for the love of fuck. Just to take a serious angle at it. Uh, the reason that they don't do this is because half of the Labor Party are climate denialists and they <laughs> just, like, want the Liberal Party to remain in power and they're just two sides of the same coin. <laughs> Good cup, bad cup. Um, yeah. Just to wrap up again, though, on the, like, you know, the, the two sides of the same coin, this is just something that... This exact clip is something that you can just give to anyone who ever thinks about voting for the Labor Party. Um, we've covered it before. You would know about the home to Belo thing. There is a family in immigration that the Liberal Party and the Labor Party um, just happily torture. They trot out for photo ops and this family just deserves to go home to a rural town in Australia. And of course they can't because we are governed by demons. But um, the ALP's Richard Miles was on uh, Breakfast TV and he was asked... Just in the interest of for our viewers here, there's no substantial difference in border protection policies, whether you're Labor or Liberal. That's, that's absolutely right. correct. Um, we believe in, 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 in strong borders and, and, and ultimately we arrive at that position as a matter of compassion. They are, they are telling you, yeah. they are telling you that in the things that matter, there is no difference between them and the Liberal Party. So yeah, whenever you see word. shit about Medicare, whenever you see shit about them fiddling at the fucking edges, just keep in mind that on climate change and on torturing people who weren't born in this country, and sometimes those who were, there is no difference between the two of them. I mean, look, it was um, was the Labor Party that had that that started this whole thing and had the whole "you will never make Australia home" kind of ads. Yeah, they've all got like so. Kevin Rudd was the one who introduced indefinite detention. Julia Gillard excised the mainland, so we couldn't even include our own mainland in terms of immigration policy. Like they are all as bad. There's yeah. not been any yeah. difference. Like yeah. that matter of compassion thing as well. Of That's like, disgusting. oh, you know, once once we, you know, if we allow refugees to not be tortured here, oh, then the boats are gonna start coming again, and we're gonna see all those deaths again. Like the the boats haven't stopped. We've just stopped counting them. Yeah. And that 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 loss of there's no actual change in the loss of life that we're seeing. They're just counting it differently and torturing people and being like, "That's making our numbers go down." And and pushing the boats back so they die elsewhere. Um, oh my god! Well, it's it's not real compassion. It's like um like carbon neutral compassion, where this is horrible, but then they pretend to be nice about a different thing. <laughs> they're so, just purchasing compassion offsets. Yeah, they're just <laughs> they're just <laughs> less weird in in interviews. Yeah, we tortured these refugees, but <laughs> I bought some big stuffed teddies for my own children, and that cancels out. So let's wade into the friendly Geordie's discourse, eh? Yeah. How about it? No, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another. I do that joke every week. Um, so, look, we're going to skip a bunch of context because if you listen to this podcast, you probably know who Friendly Geordies is. But in summation, he's a fucking YouTuber. Boo! Uh, the, 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 the main context for me is that he does a mix of, like, he, he's essentially a, a news communicator in the same way that Lang is a science communicator. He doesn't do, like, on the ground. Or in the same way that you or I are a news communicator. I mean, yeah, he does. But this is the thing. He does what we do. We take news stories from actual journalists and then we just take that last extra step and go, looks like corruption. And we do a funny voice. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he he also does like uh, chaser style stunts where he runs at people in public. And also he does like South Park style jokes on top of things as well. You know, voices and zoom ins and all the YouTube stuff. And he's recently focused on New South Wales Deputy Premier John Barillaro and has done a whole bunch of videos like showing corruption and also being like racist against an Italian. And it's just gone on and on and on. And... For me, a big part of this context is that, like, the YouTube algorithm has 
prompted him to keep going with it because he got a bunch of views on it. Uh, he was threatened with defamation by Clive Palmer and that got a whole bunch of views when he talked about it. So he's like, fuck, I'm going to keep talking about it. But anyway... He's done a whole bunch of shit. He has gate-crashed events that Barilaro has been at. He's been insinuating that he's having affairs. He's been, you know, calling him a meatball and saying he's corrupt and doing all this sort of stuff. And John Barilaro has gone, well, I'm going to sue you. So Geordie's did a video about that. And then he did a video about getting served the papers. And he did a video about that. And he keeps doing videos and he keeps getting in John Barilaro's face. And his manager, John... Uh, Friendly Geordie's manager also keeps getting in John Barilaro's face. And being the deputy premier of New South Wales, turns out John Barilaro has some fucking <laughs> governmental powers that are fucking terrifying. <laughs> so, Friendly Geordie's producer, Christo Lanka, was arrested at his home. This kid's 21 years old. And on the same day he was arrested, a couple of hours before, he apparently ran into John Barilaro on the street and started filming him just saying John over and over again. He was going, John, why are you trying to sue my boss? John, 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 John. And it was like a chaser stunt, but with no substance because he's 21 and it's for YouTube, so it's dog shit. But later that day, he was arrested in his home by a very specific part of of the New South Wales Police Force. It's the Fixated Persons Unit, and they are fucking terrifying. This whole thing is just, like, and it's genuinely like pre-crime, minority report, weird shit, where back in 2013, there was this, um, they were established in Queensland. At that time, it was only there and the UK. So yet again, Australia is leading the charge leading the on world. setting horrible precedents that the governments around the world will use. It's now all across mm. Europe. But this- Police unit was then put in New South Wales. Victoria has one now as well. But they use psychologists as well to try and um, uh, well, they also take referrals from the public and from politicians and from the cops. And they try to psychoanalyze people who might be lone wolf terrorist actors or people who um, focus too much on one particular person or one particular organization. Hence the name, the fixated persons unit. They're trying to stop like the guy who shot John Lennon or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're also like in Queensland, it's called the Fixated Threat Assessment Centre. Um, it's all about trying to stop before it happens a crime of, um, you know, essentially what you like. Uh, read a bunch of articles that said, oh, they, we used to call them crazies, but it's those people who, you know, constantly write letters to people over mm. and over and over or constantly call the one office <clears> over <throat> and over. And then we one day they snap. Yeah, we don't, want, we don't want to stop them before snapping. And so the deputy premier of New South Wales used that group to arrest a 21-year-old producer of a YouTube channel over being filmed as a, as a deputy premier. And anyone who looks like this... Is like, what is this guy? What is this guy moving towards? Like, he's not obsessed because he wants to kill you. He's obsessed because he wants to make content. Mm. The worst thing that is going to happen to you is you're going to get like a weird egg thrown at you, or you'll <laughs> you'll go viral. <laughs> a weird egg. Yeah, yeah you know, like you'll a quail throw a face or on it or something. <laughs> or an emu Old egg. YouTubers would just throw a regular egg, but nowadays like, <laughs> mix it up every this time. Is, a Tide Pod or something. You this get, is like all a duck egg. <laughs> This is all to say, of course, that unfortunately Friendly Geordie's producer is not the first person who this kind of thing is going to happen to or has happened to in the past. It's not necessarily about the fixated persons unit. It's about what cops in all states have been doing for years to Mm. all sorts of activists, to journalists, to counsellors even. Um, Yeah, and they'll use any excuse they can. The fixated persons unit was just the excuse they were able to use here. Like, the, there's, we've got, like, all the deaths in custody, for example, that, like, instead of having to resort to the fixated persons unit, they're just like, oh, well, they were drunk and Aboriginal. So, oh, you know, God. we're allowed. That's our excuse this time. Yeah. Like, the, the, there's always a fucking excuse. The, the government does what it wants, and then everyone dies. That's the, that's the story of Australia. Oh, while I feel sorry for, like, fans of Friendly Geordies who have finally realised the might of uh, police brutality and how they can overreach in terms of their powers, this has happened quite a few times in very recent history. So yeah. the, the AFP raided, like, the ABC head office and the home of this journalist, Annika Smithhurst. Uh, she's a News Corp journo. I'm sorry, that's your enemy. But it's still not good that she was raided <laughs> over their publishing about war crimes and... And look, it may or may not have been at the behest of certain heads of home affairs, but this it, it, it's still a vast overreach of 
federal powers and of AFP powers. I mean, there was a an Origin Energy whistleblower in Queensland who got arrested by the Queensland Fixated Persons Unit for whistleblowing. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the first example of like some uh, activist. Being- oh, she's obsessed with this. No, it, it's like journalism slash blowing open corruption. Like if a politician or a big company is doing something wrong, you should be obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the the issue. And like, and I, I am torn about you know all of the online discourse because this is mostly happening online. But like, on the one hand, you have people like Friendly Geordies and a lot of his fans being like, "Oh, oh, this is it. This is New South Wales becoming a police state. <laughs> Nothing like this has ever happened before, yeah. ever in the history of anything." And a lot of fans being like, oh, "Are you kidding me? I can't believe this happens because I've never paid attention to anything other than a Friendly Geordies video before." <laughs> in fact, Friendly Geordies has laughed about the AFP raids on the ABC head office and the home of a journalist before. So, oh, are you kidding me? This is now. This is too far. Oh, that was jokes that time, but this time it's serious. But, the, but unfortunately, on the other side of the thing is that this has now reached a new audience of people who are now mm. aware of how bad things can be. And so, hopefully, some of the people that do think that this is the first overstep listen to this podcast and now know that there are so many other things. We've got a bunch of them in the show notes this week as well of all the times cops have been intertwined with politics and use their power way too extensively to get away with this sort of shit. Mm. I really just want to mention the, a really specific one. The AFP raided the Australian Workers' Union. They were looking for dirt about donations made to get up and ALP candidates when Bill Shorten was the AWU head. It wasn't even political. Mm. It was through a staffer for Michaela Cash who had to resign because they tipped the media off about the raise they definitely didn't know about. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, it was Michaela Cash's staffer behind the whole thing. Sure. And, so, <laughs> and so I think that's like, that's line three, which is, and then they came for the trade unionists. Um, and so- <laughs> They've been coming for all of these people for so long and it's just funny that there's these people being like, oh, this is like first they came for friendly Geordies. No, first they came for the communists. <laughs> where, where they came for friendly Geordies. We're five pages down now and finally they've come for the white cis male square jawed YouTubers <laughs> and now you've noticed and I guess that's a start. Look, I'm glad they've noticed. <laughs> it is good that they've noticed. Yeah. But it is just that thing of also thinking that history is consistently on a singular curve towards justice or whatever the fucking <laughs> Barack Obama quote is. Because, like, the <laughs> Queensland in the 70s and 80s was just a corrupt police state. That was the whole thing. And then there were people that had to work very hard to undo that. And we could just slip backwards. This yeah. isn't new. This is the <laughs> Hypothetically, constant- we could just slip backwards into a police state. Who could imagine? There is a risk that that hype, that fanciful hypothetical may happen at some point in the future. <laughs> but like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right now that the New South Wales currently isn't as bad as Queensland in the 70s and 80s. That shit was fucking incredible, the shit they were getting away with. Here's, I, 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 I always have to come back to climate change, but the, the fact that if we don't address climate change, everybody dies, I, I think that in material terms, the present is worse than Queensland in the 70s. Like, uh, but we're talking in about ter- police. In, in terms of climate change, yes. That's the thing. Like, yeah, so we're talking about police and we're talking about police overreach, but in a context of the government is already killing everybody- I think it's worse. <laughs> yeah, no, but we're not talking about it as a whole. We're just talking about police. Yeah. Well, actually, they are blackbagging people over climate change, like the origin, uh, <laughs> the origin yeah. whistleblower. Yeah, these these two things are converging now. That, that, that's, it's, it's not that they're blackbagging everyone. It's that the stakes are much higher because of climate change, and the police are still enforcing the the sort of you know the state dependence on continually making climate change worse. The the main point is. I don't have I well I pr- would prefer not to give any opinion on Jordan Shanks at all. I I, I hate talking <laughs> I about podcasts. Did. I hate talking about podcasts. Like who the fuck talks about podcasts on a podcast? Like shut up. Anyway. <laughs> that being said, I would prefer if him or his producer didn't get arrested for the sake of whatever they're saying. I think it's really ridiculous that there is police overreach in this way in the same way that there is for any activist. The main little bit of schadenfreude potentially about this whole thing, though, is that maybe, fucking fingers crossed, 
friendly Geordies and a whole bunch of his fans and a whole bunch of other people in the country that watch his material mm. might stop looking at the Labour Party like saviours. That mm. My hope is that he becomes oh, radicalised as well about this mm. whole thing because um, a couple of really horrible YouTubers have pointed this out already, but the Labour Party sitting members of the Labour Party haven't said shit about this. Mm. And it's- jo Friendly Geordies spend so much time giving like glowing hour-long interviews to federal and state Labour members. And they have not Kevin at Rudd? all come to his defence over yeah, this. Yeah, that's really- that's, that's the main thing that like has really been so jarring. He loves giving all these interviews- and no current Labor MPs have actually stuck their neck out to say this is wrong. Like Kevin Rudd has um, apparently written quite extensively about how this is wrong and that this is an overreach um, and that this shouldn't be happening. But every extensive, other- Extensive for Rudd, which is- it, he, could, he could have said it in two sentences, but he's decided to do a <laughs> Shut up, nerd. Um, <laughs> but no, no current Labor MP has stuck their neck out. And if I were, if I were Jordan, I'd feel pretty fucked off by that. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, I've been giving my platform to these people for years and they have not come in to bat for me when I'm in trouble. It's just like- it's such an obvious moment of showing that the Labor Party care more about the Liberal Party and being in power and using these shit powers than they do their own voters. They have more in common with the Liberal Party and its members than anyone who has ever fucking voted for them. And that point needs to be put on fucking billboards. Like this whole this whole campaign they're running at the moment with a you know Labor Party on your side. They are in no way, shape or form in any universe even remotely giving a shit about anyone who votes for them. And of course they're not going to say anything about this because they want to be able to use these powers as well because of course they do. That's why you get into politics, to be corrupt yeah. and make a whole bunch of money and send people to jail that you don't like. That's why I'd get into politics if I ever did it. <laughs> it's the best. I think that the the sort of the flip side risk there is that friendly Geordies will perceive that whatever the Labour Party happens to be doing right now as support for his position. Because that's like, you know, he perceives their whatever they happen to be doing on climate right now as mm. climate action. He perceives that whatever they happen to be doing on refugees right now as refugee justice, even though they're demonstrably not. He's like, oh, they're good, though. That, that's the way. They're playing like, the long game to get me out of jail. Yeah. He has actually said before, in terms of things like climate change, like he's defended Joel Fitzgibbon by saying, like, oh, of course he has to say that. He's got to protect the seat. So I reckon there is a good chance, actually, yeah. that it's like, mm. oh, we finally contacted a lawyer about this defamation case and he told us to shut the fuck up. So the Labor Party also very smartly are shutting the fuck up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for way. having my back. Oh, they're letting fuck, me rot right. in prison <laughs> because yeah. that's their plan. It looks good for the voters. <laughs> I see it. I see it. Anyway, yeah. the, the last thing I want to say is, Jordan, congratulations on shutting the hell up, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> the whole time oh. I've just been really stressed out, just every time there's a new Geordie's thing, just saying, dude, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Stop, just get a lawyer, <laughs> shut the fuck up. And he's finally mm. shut up. And thank you for that. It's been really stressful to me personally. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll never shut up. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm going to shut up the second a lawyer looks at me wrong. This, this, I'm just going to replace it with the apology podcast. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> anyway, dirty solidarity to Geordie's and his producer. Yep. Unequivocally. Yeah, I think unequivocally. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% dirty solidarity. This should not be happening to these people. It is bullshit. Shout outs this week. Wanted to direct you to the Flood podcast once again, Friends of the Pod. Um, they had a great chat this week about a Mark Fisher article, Exiting the Vampire Castle. And it's just a, like expanding upon about the online left and how it's a tool of liberalism and just about the, the better way forward. Shout out as well to the uh, Gippsland Rages Roller Derby, who uh, was a roller derby uh, rink. Does roller derby run in a rink? Sure. Sure. The, 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 the roller skating, uh, you know, Arena. derby uh, venue who got basically taken out by the, the, the floods in Gippsland um, and who are running a little fl uh, a flood raiser, a fundraiser <laughs> uh, to help rebuild. Mm. Um, they're sort of 
positioned in a sort of interesting political way in that they are one of the sporting venues who should have got funding for sports rorts, but didn't because that whole project was deeply corrupted. <laughs> um, so this is just a, a little opportunity if you want to go and sling them a couple of bucks. We'll put a note in the show notes uh, to uh, support... Uh, a, a good group of people and also whisper a little fuck you to Bridget McKenzie, uh, which, you know, you get the best of both worlds. It's lovely. Um, I actually just opened up the link now and they've hit their fundraising goal, but I'm sure they could use a little bit more money oh, or yeah. donate to a different cause. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I really, like, I have to speak on them specifically because they, these people are incredible. They're like, um, a friend, Jack, she spoke about them extensively on Twitter, but they're a group that through just through their own efforts is responsible for every single staff uh, staff member at Gippsland Medical Centres having LGBTQ inclusion training and understanding like transaffirmative medical care. So these are incredible people. Wow. They've done this off all their backs. They deserve as much of your money as possible. There yeah, it's just a, it's just a beautiful story of good people being good. Yeah. Uh, so... At, at the very least, just shout out to, to, to them. It's, it's wonderful. Don't pay taxes. Donate to Roller Derby. I do have one more shout out, actually. Oh, give us a shout out. Um, 3CR is doing their Radiothon at the moment. Uh, as some of you might know, I'm on the Tuesday breakfast um, show, which is very, very early in the morning. So I forgive you if you haven't listened to it. <laughs> However, have they paid us for this ad? Or? Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, you actually have to pay me for putting this ad on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've hit our personal goal. However, 3CR as a station still needs to hit our target to keep the lights on for the rest of the year. So please give generously to any show that you might catch your fancy. We have hundreds of shows that are all fantastic. Or you give, you can give to the main fund as well. Um, I will put the link in the show notes for that. Um, I have a shout out. If you've had trouble sleeping, it might be your mattress. Uh, <laughs> for just the no, sorry. <laughs> if you don't have money right now, get a payday loan. <laughs> just a shout out right now. Here are the people at Casper Mattresses are doing a great job. So if you just want to sling them some money, don't buy a mattress. Just give them some money for free. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us at Not Good Pod on all the socials or email us at notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Those are our contact details, if you if you wish. I think you sold it a bit too hard. <laughs> I think you came on a bit too strong. I can't live up to that. <laughs> Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We want to pay our respects to their elders past and present, um, and to acknowledge that this land was never ceded.